0: It'll be Luke um, chapter one, we'll start in verse 67. Um, so in the first chapter of Luke, uh, he, he, get th- he gets things going, uh, lets us know that he is uh, writing a historical record uh, and he starts out with the story of Elizabeth and Zacharias. Those were the, uh, they were future parents of John the Baptist. Uh, they could not have any children. They were older in years Uh, And they find out that they're going to have a child. Uh, And if you remember, Zechariah was told by an angel that it would happen, but he doesn't believe it. He asks for a sign uh, and the angel tells him, well, the sign is you're not going to be able to talk until he's born. Uh, So he was mute all that time. Uh, And then six months after that happens, the angel Gabriel visits Mary, tells her that she's going to have a child as a virgin and to call his name Jesus. We're getting ready to celebrate that time of year. Uh, And then so once she receives, once Mary gets that message, uh, she goes to see Elizabeth and Zacharias. She stays at their house for three months. And as soon as she gets to the door uh, and calls out for Elizabeth, Uh, She says that that the baby leapt in her womb. Uh, So then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. She starts to bless Mary. uh, And then Mary gives her song of praise after that. Uh, And then finally, Zechariah. So, um, the baby is born. John the Baptist is born. They're getting ready to name him a different name, uh, and they ask him what should the name be. And he, as soon as he writes John uh, on the whatever they gave him to write on, uh, then his mouth was opened and he was able to speak again. And it's this right here, starting verse sixty-seven. This are the things that he uh, was able to say. So he was not able to talk for nine months the whole time. Uh, But now he's finally able to speak, and I want to look at tonight what he says. So it's Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 67. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, "'Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David.'" As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which we which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for your word tonight. I thank you that you have preserved it for us, that we can dig into it. And Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight. I, Lord, to open up our ears and our hearts, we ask that the Spirit would not only help me to preach, but Lord, help us to learn tonight from your word, and Lord, we ask that we'd be able to apply it to our lives. Lord, if there's any loss that might be listening, Lord, I pray that tonight they would come to know you for salvation, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name, and amen. So we see, uh, you know, it says Uh, In verse 67, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. He starts prophesying. Verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. So Zacharias, again, the father of John the Baptist, is finally able to speak. His first child is born. They thought they'd never be able to have a child. They were old in age. They were barren. Uh, And notice, uh, Zacharias doesn't say a word about John. Isn't that interesting? His uh, first son is born. Uh, It's an amazing time. It's a blessed time. And as soon as his mouth is open, he is starting to say uh, that, and and really Jesus is not going to be born for another six months. He's saying that God was here. The Lord is here. The Redeemer has come. uh, And even though he hasn't, uh, Jesus isn't even here. So he definitely isn't died on the cross yet. That would come 30 some years later. Uh, But he's saying the Lord God of Israel hath redeemed his people. Isn't that a wonderful message. Right off the bat, he's saying, hey, uh, that that lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world is come to this earth, and the plan of redemption is already underway. I love it when the Bible does that. You know, you think, well, is that a mistake? That it's in past tense, although Jesus hasn't finished uh, what he's done yet. He's not even been born yet. No, the plan of God was from before uh, the foundation of this earth. The plan of redemption, it wasn't something new. It wasn't something Jesus just cooked up Uh, as soon as he was on this earth. That plan had been in place. So even though uh, Jesus was still in the womb, that plan of redemption was already underway. Praise God. Aren't you glad that before we even knew that we needed a savior, that he died for us. That blesses me to think about it then 69 and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David so Zechariah is praising the Savior that he's never met right he's never met him he hasn't been born yet Uh, so you think about that if Zechariah under the Holy Spirit could praise Jesus before he was there before he knew uh, any uh, a whole lot about him if he could praise him then i tell you what with us after After knowing what he's done, after reading his word, we should be able to praise him all the more. Uh, We should be able to say, hey, he lived, he became flesh, he lived a perfect life, and we've got it all. Everything he wants us to know is in this book right here, and we can praise God for that. And look what he says, salvation has come by the house of his servant David. He's saying, hey, this is the line, this is the tribe that's coming through. It was prophesied and it's here. Praise God. Verse 70, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. And if you go through the Old Testament, you can go through the prophecies. You can go through Daniel. You can go through Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel, and different ones. You can see pictures of the coming Messiah. You can see little bits of prophecy all throughout the Old Testament, the minor prophets. You can see where it's there. Uh, One of the ones I love is Job, Uh, the one they say is the oldest book, Uh, Job 19.25. He said this, uh, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and sometimes I come. Cut it off right there, but I, I now I was like I can't because the next thing he says and that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. He's saying, hey, uh, Job is saying he's alive today, and one day he's going to walk with us on this earth. Well, praise God! I tell you what, that's a blessing to think about. Job knowing that when they didn't know a whole lot of anything back then, uh, but he knew enough, and that's what he put his faith in. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You think about that. They knew uh, that he was coming from a virgin. They knew uh, what his name, God with us. Uh, they knew these things. And these is just a couple. But then I think about Isaiah 53. So uh, I love that chapter. And and you think about there. So it is so rich and talking about what Jesus would suffer uh, for our sakes. So, you know, uh, you know, all of the descriptions, in there uh, that it talks about who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground he had no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him there's no beauty that we should desire him he's despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as our faces were from him Uh, he was despised and we esteemed him not surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth he was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth but it pleased the Lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and the spoil with the strong because he had poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. you look at something like that and you can see a complete picture of a servant of a messiah that would not just come to this earth but would die for sinners. It's there and they had that in the Old Testament. So here's what he's saying. Zechariah is saying as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. This is something that was foretold. It was something that we knew uh, that, that should have been known that was coming from the Old Testament. But not only his first coming but also the Old Testament talks of his coming again, his second coming. Not when he takes the church home. The rapture, we're meeting him in the air. He's not touching this earth uh, with the rapture, but the second time he touches town, uh, it is uh, at the end of the tribulation to get rid of all the enemies. Second Samuel 7, 12, and when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And that's talking about after the death of King David, his son, King Solomon would become king. He would build the temple. He built the house for the Lord and all of that uh, took place. But then at the end of verse 13, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now you stop and say, well, obviously that didn't take place because you go over to Israel, you go over to Jerusalem, there's no king on a throne over there. How can he say, I've established the throne forever? Because he's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about Jesus coming again, sitting on the throne of David, and although some will say, well, that promise will never be fulfilled. No, uh, God will make good on every promise. We're just waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. But guess what? It can't happen yet, because we're still here. Zechariah 14, 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Daniel seven thirteen I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came with the ancient of days and they brought him near before him and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people nations and language should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom uh that which shall not be destroyed So obviously those things haven't happened yet. They can't. You can't say that all nations have gone against Jerusalem. And you can't say that all nations worship the Lord. Uh, Neither of those are true. So those are promises that are yet to come. But here's the thing. Sometimes we're hard on the Jews. But the Jews got confused. And here's one of the ways I believe they got confused. See, we know that he's coming. He came the first time. To die on the cross, right? He came born of a virgin, meek, as a servant, lowly, to die for our sins. Uh, you know, we knew he'd be born in Bethlehem. We knew it'd be, uh, we knew a lot of things. There's so many prophecies that he fulfilled going to Egypt, uh, coming back, uh, his ministry, all those things, uh, opening the blinded eye, raising the dead, all of that stuff was prophesied. But then his second coming, when he comes again, was also prophesied. The problem with the Jews is they put those together. And they leave out the suffering part. And they kind of emphasize the reigning king part. Right? They they looked at all those promises where he would come, sit on David's throne. He would conquer all the enemies. He would rule and reign from Jerusalem. All nations would come to him. The Old Testament talks about all this stuff. That's what they were looking for. And they were thinking, well, uh, all he has to do is come here, knock off Rome. That'll, that'll end everything. You take over uh, and you rule and reign. But what they missed is they're two separate, right? They're two separate. He has not come again, and people get confused with that. I've heard people uh, uh, confuse this a lot. They'll confuse the rapture with the second coming, his first coming with the second coming, and if you go through the Bible, there's definite differences with all of them. And you can't fit the second coming in the first. It doesn't work. He, He can't do both. He can't be meek and ruling at the same time. But so you think about this. They were having trouble with this. But who's Zechariah? He's a Jewish priest. Because if you remember, if you look at the story ahead, uh, if you don't remember it, he is in the temple. It's his turn to basically do a week of of the uh, kind of top temple work, uh, offering incense and different things like that. He was by himself, and that's when the angel visited him. So he is a master in the Old Testament Uh, scriptures. He knows it. He's memorized a lot of it. Uh, He knows uh, the Messiah. He knows all these different things, but he would have been just as confused, right? Looking for that Messiah that would conquer, would overthrow Rome and everything else, but that's not what he says. Do you notice that? He'd have been familiar with all these things, look at verse 71 that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath, which he swear to our father, Abraham. So he's saying, Hey, uh, the Jews, uh, the Messiah is going to save the Jews from all the enemy and everyone that hates God's chosen people. He's going to have mercy on them. He's going to bring that promised mercy. Uh, he's going to fulfill every oath that he made to Abraham. Uh, And all of these things, and and I I don't know about you, but whenever I hear about a promise that God's going to fulfill from Abraham or for Israel or for the Jews, it excites me. Because it hasn't happened yet, but I know it will happen. Just as much as I know uh, that one day the Lord will call us home and he'll either take us in the rapture or we'll close our eyes in death and open our eyes in heaven. Hey, that hasn't happened for any of us yet, but I'll tell you what... As sure as I believe that I'm going to heaven, as sure as I believe that God will row, will rule and reign in Jerusalem, he'll do exactly what he said he would do. See, here's the thing. If God doesn't fulfill the promises to Israel, how can we expect him to fulfill the promises to us? I've said it over and over again and I'll keep saying it. It's impossible for him to do one and not the other. But look at this future. Verse 74, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. So not only is he talking about the future salvation the future redemption, the future removal of all the enemies. Then after all of that we get a chance to serve the Messiah without fear. That's what he says. That we might serve him without fear. And you think about that. Uh, uh, You know, when we stand on the word, when we preach the truth, when we get into the Bible and teach uh, and tell people about righteousness and holiness and sin and everything else, that brings opposition. That brings persecution, but one day we'll be able to serve Jesus. We'll be able to do things in his name and there'll be no opposition at all. No hesitation, no fear, no battling the flesh, none of that. And that's one of the things he's talking about. Zechariah right here in verse 75 and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you think about that. What What a blessing to be able to serve God all of our life, not just this life, but forever in holiness and righteousness. And I say, praise God. This is what heaven's like. That's what he's talking about. And then he gets further. In verse 76. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. So finally in verse 76, Zechariah is mentioning his son John. Now finally he gets to John and he says that he would go before the Lord. He would go before the face of him to prepare his ways and we know that's exactly what happened. John the Baptist started his public ministry before Jesus and what was his main message? It's repentance. That's what he preached. He preached repentance and then what was he doing? Paving the way for Jesus to come and preach and teach and witness and perform salvation and guess what repentance always comes before salvation There was no mistake and as soon as repentance was done did you notice as soon as the repentance message came and then salvation was there what happened repentance is off the scene now now it's living uh living for the lord after that but look at what he's saying Look at this explanation in verse 79. This, this verse blessed me, I think, the most in this whole passage. He says this. This is an explanation of salvation through Jesus Christ. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The mission of Jesus Christ, the whole reason he came and died on the cross for our sins is that so he could give sight to the blinded eye of the sinners that are blinded by the God of this world. That's who we were before we were saved. We were blinded. We were in deception. Uh, we were following the uh, the will of the devil and not even realizing it. We were an enemy of God. We were in the shadow of death. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. We didn't realize how close we were to hell. We were just one uh, one missed heartbeat, one car accident, one uh, uh, whatever away from opening our eyes in hell and finally seeing the truth of the wages of our sin. And there was no hope until Jesus Christ came. And what did He do? He came to save sinners. He brought sight to the blind. Yes, He did it physically, but He also did it spiritually. He was a light shining in the darkness and He's guiding our feet in the way of the uh, uh, the way of peace, and you think about that. What a beautiful picture. That's what Zechariah is saying. Jesus is not even born, and he's saying, Hey, it's a dark world right now, uh, it is a dark place right now, but the light is coming. Get ready, it's coming to shine. And, and as soon as you flick the light on, you can see everything. Praise God. But I, you think about this Zechariah, again, as a Jewish priest. He received word that he would have a son when it was his turn to minister in the temple. And you think about that. He was childless. And verse 6 explains him and his wife, they were both righteous before God, walking in all commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And that's a blessing. Because they could have blamed God. They could have been angry with God, but instead they trusted God and kept serving God, even in the midst of their trouble, even in the midst of their heartache and pain of not being able to have children, and Zechariah was doubting at first. He was. He was asking for a sign. He didn't believe uh, the angel. Uh, he goes and and because, I mean, it, having a child in his old age when they couldn't have a child, but then a few verses later, he goes from doubting to now explaining how the Messiah is going to bring salvation. He's going to fulfill promises. He's going to get rid of all of Israel's enemies. He's going to do all these things. And you think about that. Again, he is a Jewish priest. And they're confused. Reading the majority of them are confused. Reading the same Old Testament that Zecharias did right? Memorizing the same passages, going to the same uh, prophets, doing all the same things. So how did Zacharias understand it, understand the, uh, why he was coming, what he was going to do? How did he understand such a great picture of who Jesus was and what salvation would look like and his second coming when the others were so confused and tried to mash it all in together? How did he know it when the rest of them didn't? Because you think about it. The Bible's our textbook, right? If you think about a classroom, this is our textbook right here. But do you realize a textbook's not enough? I could order a textbook off of Amazon, I could send it to your house, and you could try to learn it just by reading through it, and it probably wouldn't be easy, right? What do you need? You need a teacher, don't you? You need a teacher, John 14, 26, Jesus said this, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So when all the the majority of the other Jews were confused, they were still confused when Jesus's ministry came around. Uh, They were in total confusion about what uh, the Messiah was going to come and actually do, even though the prophets said it over and over again even though it was repeated uh, throughout the Bible uh, Zacharias understood all these prophetic verses when others couldn't because again at the beginning in 67 it says he was filled with the Holy Ghost what was the difference between Zacharias and the others? wasn't the scripture they all had the same one it was the Holy Spirit and I thought about that What's the difference for us today between trying to read a textbook without a teacher and having a teacher help us every step of the way? It's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same. And I've said this many times. You may look at me and say, Mike, you have a gift of studying the Bible. And I will say, no, no, I may have a gift of of saying things and teaching it in a way you can understand. But I do not have a gift of studying the Bible. You know what I have? I've got the same Holy Spirit you do. Now, granted, there are a lot of times, unfortunately, I open this Bible and I try to figure it out Mike's way. And then then very quickly I get stuck and I have to go back to the author and say, Hey, can you help me out? I'm lost here. I don't understand this. And the Holy Spirit's ready to teach us. God wants us to know what his word means. And sometimes it takes not just getting into it, but reminding ourselves we need the teacher to help us. But guess what? He's ready at all times. You don't have to wait till the right class. Remember uh, a long time ago with scheduling classes, you'd have to figure out which class would work with the other one and you'd have enough time to get from one to the other or eat in between or whatever you needed. Uh, but aren't you glad that anytime God is ready to hear from us and God is ready to teach us anytime. And you think about Zecharias before Jesus was even born has this grasp because he took the scripture and let the Holy Spirit teach him. And I thought, what an, amazing, what an amazing thing to see from God's word. But as amazing as it is, God can do the exact same thing with you and I if we will let him. He can change our doubts. He can trade in our doubts for more faith and more understanding in him. If we get in his word and let him teach us. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand tonight.